0: Dear friends, welcome to the Midweeks. It's Pastor Rob. We are in the end of the book of 1 Samuel. Not exactly the last chapter, but getting pretty close. So the trajectory of 1 Samuel starts with the birth of Samuel, looking at Samuel's mother, and then his anointing of Saul as the first king, followed by the anointing of David as the second king, who's going to replace Saul. And so you have these overlapping character arcs and samuel has died a little while ago and now we're going to begin the end of saul and we have an ironic situation here david is in the land of the philistines serving the philistines and in a previous chapter he said that people are trying to make me go away from the land of my god and serve foreign gods and so he's in the land of the philistines but while david is in the land of the philistines being faithful to god as much as he can Saul is in the land of Israel, and he's about to be very unfaithful to the Lord by seeking out a necromancer to give him a message from the dead. And so here's the irony. This is a story that tells us about faith, and it shows us that David can keep his faith-based relationship with Yahweh, the God of Israel, even when he's not in Israel, and Saul can't keep his faith-based relationship with God, even though he's still in Israel and is still near God. And so we're in chapter 28, and we'll read it and make comment. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Akish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. So remember, David has been about a year and four months in the land of the Philistines. He's tricking Achish into thinking that he's attacking Israel. He's actually attacking other nations. But Akish has been deceived here. And so this is the end of that year and four months-ish, and things are coming to a head, and the Philistines have decided that now is a good time to attack Israel. And Akish thinks that David's going to go along with this because he's been telling him for months that he's been already attacking Israel. And you see here in verse 2 that David is being tricky with his words. He's being wise but using his words to reveal and conceal. In verse two, when Akish says, you're coming with me to go fight against Israel, David doesn't say, yeah, I'll go kill them. He says, you shall see what your servant can do. And that leaves that statement open for interpretation. Akish hears it as, you'll see how much damage I can do to Israel, but David could also be saying, you'll see what I can do against you. So David may be thinking, I'm not gonna attack Israel and in the moment of attack, I'm gonna turn against you. You'll see what I can really do. But it's really open to interpretation. And Akish hears it the way he wants to hear it. But David could be meaning it a different way. And this is just a sign of David's wise speech. He's living a double life. And it's coming out in how he's recorded as speaking. That his sentences have potentially two different meanings. Anyhow, we end off with that scene there of David in this precarious situation of serving uh, foreigners and their gods and in a being about to attack Israel. And then we're going to completely change the scene and go see Saul miles away and what he's up to. Verse three, now Samuel had died and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put out the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. So here's a summary sentence that sets up the scenario. We already know that Samuel's died. That was reported to us a while back, but now it's we're being reminded because Samuel's gonna come back up. And we're, we've been told here that Saul had put out the mediums and the necromancers, so he's made it illegal to do these things, to visit these people, and expelled some of them. And so this is the setup. Samuel's dead. There aren't any uh, necromancers left. And then verse four, 4 says, The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. So this is a response to those first verses of this chapter talking about how the Philistines were going to attack Israel. Samuel's dead. There's no necromancers. The Philistines have come up and Saul has gathered his own army. And this is, now we understand the whole scene. We see it from David's perspective. We see it now from Saul's perspective. What's Saul going to do? Verse 5. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, sorry, Yeah, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. And so this is part of the curse coming down on Saul. Remember, Saul has um, become unfaithful to the Lord. He's killed the high priests. And so God is giving Saul the silent treatment as a part of the punishment for Saul's unbelief and sin and crimes. And as a way of like hastening his destruction as well. Verse 7, Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out a woman for me who is a medium, that I may go to her to inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. Now this is an interesting situation, right? So Saul has driven out the mediums, so but now he wants to seek one. And, and there's David amongst the Philistines, Saul amongst his own people. But now he wants to go and visit a spirit worker who is an unbeliever who is not someone faithful to the Lord, um, God's law forbids the practice of mediums or necromancers. And Saul now is willing to try to break God's law in order to hear from God. So Saul is really not doing well. All right. Verse 8. So Saul disguised himself. Again, there's there's echoes, there's ironies. David had disguised himself as a, someone willing to attack Israel amongst the Philistines, and now Saul is physically disguising himself at, to go and meet a necromancer. Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him, and they came to the women by night. And he said, divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. And the women said, surely you know that what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you tra- laying a trap for my life? To bring about my death. So obviously, the woman is um, concerned that these are like the secret police that are hunting out necromancers. And so she states the law back to them, not realizing that this is Saul. But one of the things that's happening here is because the narrator has already confirmed to us that the necromancers and the mediums have been cut off from the land. When we hear the woman repeat what the narrator has said, this actually builds up her trustworthiness. It's very strange, she's a necromancer, she consults the dead, but by doing this uh, literary technique of having her repeat almost verbatim what we've heard from the narrator, it actually establishes her as somebody who's in, agree- in agreement with the narrator and somebody who we're not just going to assume is lying about what's coming next. Even though she's sinning and what she did does, she's not lying while she's doing it. Verse 10. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Again, very ironic that according to the Lord's laws, there should be punishment for this thing, but Saul is Now saying, as the Lord lives, I won't punish you, so I won't do God's law against you in the name of God. So this is all very messed up. Verse 11, And the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his appearance? And she said to him, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Now this is a very mysterious scene. I think it's intentionally lacking in details. Like the Bible doesn't want to teach people how to perform necromancy. And so it's meant to be aloof it's meant to be shallow and it's meant to leave you with questions about what is actually going on here because the bible doesn't want god's people to know what's going on here we know enough that she she actually has some kind of skill to pull this off but when it's happening she's really surprised that's what's happening and somehow she figures out that this is samuel and that the guy in front of her is Saul. And we don't know why that she figures this out. And that's fine. We're not supposed to. The Bible is concealing from us the mechanics of how this happened. It's just revealing to us what we were supposed to know, which is that it really is Samuel coming up to speak with Saul. And so all these people are involved in a great sin, except for Samuel by participating in this necromancy. And here is Saul against very messed up. He's bowing to the ground in front of some kind of spirit and it seems like he can't see it because he has to ask her what she looks like or what the spirit looks like but he's paying homage to a dead spirit because he's desperate to talk to Samuel because God's not talking to him anymore so it's very messed up but we're meant to believe that this really is Samuel verse 15 then Samuel said to Saul why have you disturbed me by bringing me up and Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and to me no more, either by prophet or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned you from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. So these are just the fulfillments of prophecies that uh, Samuel delivered, I think with regard to the Amalekites. Because you did not, yeah, here it comes. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. So very interesting scenario here. Samuel, this is Samuel. This is one of the few times that someone comes back from the dead. And it is theologically confusing that God allows Samuel, who is a true prophet, to be summoned by a necromancer to give one last prophecy even after he's dead. It's somewhat theologically confusing, but the way the story runs, that this is legitimate. It really is Samuel really talking to Saul. So God has allowed this communication to happen, but Saul doesn't actually learn anything good. All Samuel said is says is, Hey, I already told you what's happening here. You're, you're being cut off from the Lord, and your kingdom's being given to David. And the only new information I can give you is that I'll see you tomorrow. That's that's what's happening here. Verse 20. Then Saul fell at once, full length, on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel, and there's no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. So here he is, he's just devastated by these words. Verse 21, And the woman said to, came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I've taken my life in my hand, and have listened to what you have said to me. Now therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you, and eat that you may have strength when you go in your way. So very interesting here, this necromancer who is sinning and is not a servant of the Lord is displaying hospitality and kindness in a way that, that uh, Saul didn't. And I wonder if there's some kind of connection. Remember, Saul hasn't eaten day or night, and so he's running out of strength and this reminds us of that time when Saul was leading the army into battle and he said nobody got to eat anything until all the forces were destroyed and so they were running out of energy because he had to put a vow of uh, fasting on his army right when they're meant to fight and now here is Saul not eating right before a fight and this this necromancer is more wise and kind than Saul was to his own army by saying you need to eat some food before you go verse 23 but he refused and said, I will not eat, But because he's just in despair. But his servants together with the woman urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she killed it quick, quickly. and She took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate, and they rose and went on their way. So she's actually done a great hospitable thing, like to kill a fattened calf. A fattened calf is usually a sign of honor. So she's providing Saul this honored meal even though she is a necromancer and Saul is meant to be the king of Israel and a godly man and he's the one who's just received this death sentence and it's almost in one sense this is like his last meal or something like that they rose and went on their way and that's the end of the chapter and then in the next chapter we're going to go back and see David so this is uh, again uh, not the most encouraging chapter there's not tons in here for personal edification for Christians But it is just this story of the fulfillment of prophecy for Saul, his inability to really repent of his sins. Notice that when he's been condemned by Samuel, he doesn't repent or ask for forgiveness or humble himself, but he just goes into despair. And so he really has come to this place of total loss of faith um, in God and of course he's been told that God's wrath is coming against him and that's why these bad things are happening so we can see this trajectory and what is this meant to do ultimately this is meant to warn all of us to come to God with faith and to maintain a life of faith with God and because you can see that a life can deteriorate so badly even if it has an official position it can really deteriorate with the Lord until you Someone is just not even walking with God anymore, even though they have an official position. So this is a call for us to be repentant, to humble ourselves, to confess our sins, and to want to continue to maintain our faith walk with God. We could be like David, living in the land of the Philistines, but having a faith walk where God provides for us and protects us, even when we're in a foreign country, or we can end up like Saul, where technically and geographically where we are where we're supposed to be but our souls are so far from god that nothing is really working out for us anymore so may the lord lead us in great faith and repentance as we trust in him amen